welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are rounding out the audio discs of Sign of the Times Super Deluxe. That's right. This disc is the last eight. of the audio discs. You That's right. Disc 8, the second half of Live in Utrecht from June 20th, 1987. I can't believe it. Well, can't you we're, believe? We're at the you end can't believe of, that he did a show on June 20th? No, I can't believe we're at the end of the audio discs of Super Deluxe. I know there's plenty more to talk about, but... We have lots more Sign of the Times to come, but I can believe it. We've been doing this for half a year. I know, but it went faster than I thought it would. I don't know. The last half year has seemed like eight years. <laughs> the Super Deluxe edition of Sign of the Times being... The mo- one of the most enjoyable parts of it all, really. And that's super, super rare. Certainly on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to figure out, like, normally we talk about stuff, like, around whatever it is that we're talking about for the day. And it's like, what am I going to talk about? So I looked up just a little bit of information about the venue. Oh, okay. So, Stadion Galgenward. That's where the show was held. Okay. It opened in 1936. Oh, so it's a state-of-the-art facility. <laughs> well, it wasn't, but it got renovated in 1981 and 1982. Okay. And after they played the final, I believe, soccer match in the stadium in 1981 in April... Fans vandalized the stadium because they knew it was going to be renovated. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That sounds very un-European to me. Yes, I think it surprised... Especially un-Hollandish. Yeah, I think it surprised uh, the people who were doing that, that such a thing could happen. Shocking. All right. And then it was pretty state-of-the-art, like, was pretty on the forefront, but you know how quickly those things changed. And then it needed a another update in 2001. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's been around a long time. Historical place. That's right. Very cool. We've talked about a lot of historical places that performances have happened. Mm-hmm. The Masonic theater yep. and that place in Houston that turned into a <laughs> holy place of worship for uh-huh. the terribly misled. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're new to the Sign of the Times concert, the full show, not just the edited concert film, this disc is where the show gets really interesting to me because many of the performances were edited out of the concert film. Yes. Um, And they were songs from 1999, Purple Rain, and Parade. And they were all removed from the concert film to make it more sign of the times focused, you know, but if you listen to our second or third podcast, like two and a half years ago, uh, when we covered the live love sexy show Uh or live sexy as it was officially (laughs) released. And there's other soundboard shows that are in circulation too. The surprises on the second disc are a little diminished because the non sign of the times tracks performed on tour in the uh, in this tour contained the same new arrangements and they were carried over verbatim from the Sign of the Times tour to the Love Sexy tour. So oh. even though these songs that we're listening to today are older by a year, they're a bit of a repeat for me as a longtime collector for that reason because okay. they stayed kind of intact. The different arrangements for Let's Go Crazy and When Doves Cry and Kiss are performed here the same way they were on the Love Sexy Tour, which is basically with the same band, so it it made sense. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. My first take on this was, oh, this is like listening to the Love Sexy Tour in an infant form. Yeah, it sounded familiar. It did. Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right, well, let's dive into this music. All right. Let's go crazy. Uh, It starts with the... Beginning of If I Was Your Girlfriend. That was my first note is, first of all, why is the sound effects collage that's from the beginning of If I Was Your Girlfriend played at the end of the song in concert, 
And even more so, why would they not include the end of If I Was Your Girlfriend, which is the last track on the first disc of this show, on the first disc? Yeah, I, do, I don't know. Look at the bargains over here, ladies. They made a point of giving credit for, what was it, shaving a haircut uh-huh. uh, yeah. on Play in the Sunshine, but for Let's Go Crazy, it doesn't note it as, you know, with If I Was Your Girlfriend interpolation or something right. like that. Yeah. It, seems, it just seems like a weird way to start the disc to me. Right. Yeah. A little, I agree. I thought it was a little strange that I'm like, well, that was at the beginning on the album and it's at the end in the concert and... Yeah, it's you a know, little, little strange. I'm just sorry that we missed the estate's call when they called to yeah, try to contact us to ask our opinion on this. I, I know, thought that I was mean, a real shame. We could have helped out if they'd have let me sent me an email and let me know what number they are calling from. I'd have put it in my phone. That's and true. Answered the call yeah, because they could have been a spam risk. And, I mean, you know, when yep. you talk about Minnesota near your phone, then you start getting calls from Minnesota That's true. area codes. It's listening. So. It is listening. Yeah. So I think this is the first tour that we got the truncated speech at the beginning of Let's Go Crazy, mm-hmm. where we only get, Dearly Beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Dearly Beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. And then the song kicks off without electric word life that means forever, and that's mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you there's something else, the afterworld. Yeah. So this almost seems like obligatory for him to perform this, or he felt like he might have owed it to the fans there to, you know, play some of these songs in concert. That's super fair. And kind of string them together as almost like a sign of the times break, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, people want to hear the hits. Yeah, I get it. And that was only three years removed from Purple Rain at this point. Right. So it was relatively... Recent still. It's not like he'd been playing Purple Rain for 30 years already. Yeah, I bet it seemed that way to him. But <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs> only three. Yeah. So it sounds to me like there's a drum machine plus live drums in okay. this. So you get that uh, Let's Go Crazy Lindrum, uh, very recognizable beat on top of or underneath Sheila E playing live drums. Mm-hmm. And then you also get a horn section. Yeah, which was fun. Mm-hmm. There was a real fun interplay of the horns and the synthesizers. Yeah, and space guitar and, of course, electric guitar for a song like mm-hmm. this. You think of it as a rock song, so I don't know that you immediately think, what this needs is horns, you know, saxophone and a trumpet. But it, but does, it, works. it does work really well. Yeah. yeah, there's that growling guitar and altered, yep. almost demonic voice, which is... yeah. I'm sure it was super fun in concert. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. I think we get a string of mini yeah! screeches <laughs> on this disc at like a minute, 32 seconds when he Prince says, come on, Holland, let's get nuts. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> and then we get like the first of the guitar solos. In the song. Come on, Holland. Let's get nuts. Are you ready? Uh, it's a different type of scream during this concert than previous live shows. Like he's discovered a new, Awa. <laughs> yeah, you know he's got a a fresh one. That's right. Yeah, I really appreciated the use of stereo in this track. There was an interesting trumpet that was only heard in your left channel, okay. not your right channel. that care mm. they took yeah. to do stereo here to give you a more immersive listening experience. Yeah, I think even compared to the live show from 1999 on 1999 mm-hmm. Super Deluxe, this is a really excellent recording, of I course, agree. professionally done. It's the first time that we get the uh, breakdown with Go Crazy chants mm-hmm. and the drums and the music that's going on at 2 minutes and 4 seconds is... Um, sort of 
lifted from the 12 inch version of the studio track the uh i think it's called let's go crazy dance mix but it's the full unedited version of let's go crazy riffs and some cursing for good measure mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> lots of s words and f words uh-huh. going on here yeah i really loved the uh go 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 refrain yeah. that starts in a falsetto and drops down super 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 low and then is back to screaming again is super fun yeah really really cool i did have the note of that it hit superhuman lows at four minutes and 33 seconds mm-hmm. and then surprise he's screaming again go, 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 go. <laughs> and the background singers are you know kind of emulating him too and i thought it was really fun that to use let's go in Place of two bits mm-hmm. in the shave and a haircut at the end. Yes, they... four, four minutes and fifty-two seconds. Uh-huh. Let's go. I mean, no wonder they gave. They had to give full credit to this portion of shave and a haircut and play in the sunshine live because Prince. Obviously, dug this part a lot, and he works it in again here. Uh-huh. The end of playing the sunshine is, uh-huh. and it's in the album version too. Right. And then here, it's kind of the end of a chant, and you get a, let's, let's go. go, yeah, yeah, that he does with just his guitar to kind of play with the crowd a little uh-huh. bit. It was really fun the audience participation. Yep, yeah, and uh, on the Love Sexy tour, he. Played it a little slower. Let's go. You know, and everyone is doing it, and then he does it real fast. And then he keeps going even faster where it's impossible to keep up with him, and that's where the song, like, picks back up. Instead of, like, stopping here and then picking back up, he, like, makes it impossible for the crowd to keep up, and it's even more playful. Yeah. Yep, so and then I also love that he kept the iconic guitar solo portion of the song. Mm-hmm. I mean it wouldn't be Let's Go Crazy without Prince playing electric guitar by himself, like literally solo. But the horns and drums that lead into it at five minutes and thirty seconds are kind of a new arrangement too, which is pretty fun and also carried over into the Love Sexy Tour. down and morphs into the next song yeah which is when doves cry yeah a short take on yeah. when doves cry it is and there's this like interesting synthesizer and horn combo before we get this telltale lead line yeah It's real upbeat and jazzy to start with. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. it's, really fun. It's horny. <laughs> Full of horns, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant by these new horn arrangements that are thrown in. I mean, they've got he's got, you know, excellent saxophone and trumpet players, so um, it makes sense that they would play a role here they wouldn't just disappear but uh it makes a song like this that's so sparse and recognizable you know you hear it on the radio and it's almost immediately recognizable you know still today of course even i think for non-fans but here it gets reworked into something that's more complex and more layered but still is immediately recognizable with like you said the lead line yeah and then the backup singers join in for the second verse and it 
slows down the show and the song, but doesn't lose momentum, mm-hmm. which was so interesting. I thought it was such a masterful way to really just slow things up a little bit. Gotcha. And see the background singers to me, I think we talked about this with um, the love symbol album that there was not, a strong female presence in the band and that felt like it was lacking from the album and some of the live shows. And here he's got some great women musicians and background singers, but at a minute and two seconds, did you hear there's like a male voice that's, (laughs) I mean, it sounds like I was there. (laughs) How can you just leave me standing? It's a, you know, very monotone, almost, I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Dr. Fink, yeah, who's never been, you know, a vocalist. I don't think he would consider himself a vocalist, and maybe he just had, like, a speaking part. But uh, it just did not sound great to me. <laughs> but what it did do is gave Prince the vocal freedom to sing on top of the chorus and do the things that he does on the studio version, which is, of course, all him, yeah. uh, which I think is important, too. Right, yeah, all the vocalizing <laughs> while the backup singers are singing the chorus properly. Some of them are. So good. Well, it, yeah. I mean, they're singing the words at about the right tempo. <laughs> and, and then singing is used loosely. That's what it was. I, I was like. This is like the way he would tell me to do it. Hey, man, why don't you just say it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I understand. <laughs> uh, you get kind of a breakdown in a minute and 51 seconds with Prince leading the hey, 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 hey. It's almost like an early version of Arsenio Hall, you know? It wasn't the kind of thing that you would hear at a Prince concert, certainly not during the Purple Rain tour, these kind of dog poundish kind of chants, but we get one here in 1987. That's very cool. Nice audience participation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you catch the uh, two minutes, 23 seconds? There's a new horn arrangement again, and... A little bit of la 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 he he he, including uh, the dog barking uh, sound effect. Yes, which I thought was nice. And then also to say, why didn't they give credit to when doves cry, including la 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 he he he, mm-hmm. because it's pretty obvious that that's all worked together. shaving a haircut they just wanted to give credit to (laughs) i guess i don't know yeah and there's really rapid synthesizers at the end that Mm -hmm. remind us we are solidly still in the 1980s oh yeah 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 prince's signature sound and also the signature sound of the era i guess yeah Mm -hmm. agreed and then we have purple rain and the audience knows this from the second note. They've been waiting for this. Oh, yeah. 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 I think uh, even with this song just three or four years old, how many times do you think Princess played this? And is probably in his heart a little sick of it, even by now, you know, even though it's kind of a toddler. Right. But I still think we get a very heartfelt performance, and it's not at all mailed in. He doesn't rush through it, Mm -hmm. although there are lyrics and verses that are omitted. But uh, I felt like, you know, five minutes and 35 seconds for this song live for the casual fan who was like, I want to go see Prince live. And, you know, of course they're expecting this song to be played. Felt like the right amount of time to spend on it to me. That's super fair. It was very, I don't know, it was just enough. Yeah. Well, there was this echo on his voice that Mm -hmm. really made it feel like 
a really big stadium. Yeah. In yeah, a in a way a... that we haven't heard really in this concert before then. You get and I don't know if it's an effect that was put on I or if so, it was to make it just, sound like the, yeah. the studio version. Maybe. Yeah. Never meant to call you. I was really thinking about this, and it's not about the lyrics with this song. It's about the guitar and how the guitar makes the listener and the audience and Prince feel. Yeah, it's a very was, emotive yeah. song for sure. And, and I totally agree about that. It's not about what he's singing even or the chorus. It's almost more about the extended guitar solos and the fact that the crowd can sing along with the... Uh-huh. Prince doesn't have to sing it to get them going. He asks them at three minutes, you want to sing? Come on. Mm-hmm. And the crowd does it at the right point. Prince doesn't even start it off. He sings it the second time around, but you know, it's so well known and like in public lexicon i guess almost like a a shared language yeah that everybody knows yeah and it ends with that little bit of piano flourish too Mm -hmm. that was it was so pretty yeah i thought he really did very well by purple rain but still keeping it fresh and heartfelt even without all the lyrics and totally agree. I mean, he does the first verse and the chorus. And then from there on, it's, you know, basically the oohs and jamming and a guitar solo for the final two minutes, which almost seems appropriate. Like people just want to get out their lighters and Uh sway back and forth and give us this five minutes to hear your biggest hit. And even then, I think he probably knew this is the biggest song I'll ever have. Right. Um, and certainly the biggest one he had had to that point. So to me, I had no complaints about listening to this. And I have I do not go back and listen to Purple Rain ever, the song. I mean, I've heard it so many times. Yeah. It's unnecessary. But I don't skip this. It's just long enough. Mm-hmm. And um, it's heartfelt enough to, I don't know, keep, yeah. me, keep well, me listening. I mean, and those guitars are just... Yeah. Yep. Beyond. Oh, yeah. So great. Uh, you almost feel like the band just like <laughs> steps back, you know, like yeah. give the guy a drum beat and then let him sing and play guitar and get out of his way for five minutes. Yeah. And then we have an ultra fast transition to 1999. And if you didn't already realize how fantastic this band is. Yep. That you really realize that with the transition between these two songs. This whole run of, you know, prior album hits, I think, is very well. It's it's almost I mean, you get full versions of songs, some are truncated, but it is a medley of hits essentially. It to really me. This is. This is like your whatever, fifteen minutes of um, I'm gonna give you what you came here for in the middle of the show and then we'll get back to what I wanna play for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought um, immediately recognizable, even though, again, we don't even get probably the most iconic part of the song is, don't worry, uh-huh. I won't hurt you, and we don't get that at all here. But we do get a great scream at 14 seconds. Again, another Sign of the Times era signature E scream. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to spell it, <laughs> and I certainly can't do it. But it's a unique scream. For Prince. Yeah. And there's just really little interesting inflections when he says everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Uh Like he sings it a little different. Uh Uh-huh. He sings it a little different. It's fun. We get the ultra super duper high pitched. Mommy, why does everybody have a bun? Yep. And then we get a little thunder sound. Yep. In the concert. 
And then these uneasy baby cries coupled with a kind of radar sort of sound. Who brings their crying baby to the show? Like at three minutes and 25 seconds, it I totally mean, really, ruins it's just the ambiance. I mean, have some consideration. I mean, that baby, that baby wants to be home in bed. That baby uh-huh. doesn't want to be at a tired. Prince concert. Exactly. He's tired and certainly doesn't know the songs. Can I make another point of something that just also was like, ooh, I don't know. The second line, you know, the first three lines of the song, Prince broke up into different people delivering yeah. them in the studio version and here the second line when when it's just the men uh-huh i think they sound terrible well yeah woke up this morning could have sworn it was judgment day I mean, just super weak male vocalists in the band. Sorry, and I'm trying to think of, you know, it's Dr. Fink, Miko Weaver, and Levi Caesar Jr. Oh, was Wally there? Yeah, Wally and Greg. And uh-huh. I mean, I don't see them as well, excellent background singers no. either. They're, you know, they're to do crowd hyping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> just, uh, just was not, was not good. No. Yeah. I almost thought that the baby crying at the end was a almost a new take on the ending of Delirious. When the song ends and you hear, uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and here you get a baby crying to at the end of 1999 instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a very long spance of quiet. Two full minutes it's of a long, audience noise. Long time. It is. And I get wanting to preserve the show experience here, but 120 seconds of crowd noise could have been edited down, I thought, yeah. easily. Um, yeah. Well, and they sing something at one point, the audience does, yeah. and you can't quite tell what it is. Yeah, and- there's almost no purpose to it. You know, Obviously, you know the show's not over because you're listening to... A disc, and it shows you that there are more songs coming. But I think of it like in terms of when this song comes up on shuffle for me later, I don't want to listen to two minutes of audience noise yeah. before the next track starts. But that's just me. I mean, I think that, uh, again, they're trying to preserve, you know, the anticipation of a live show and that kind of thing. And I'm sure it was a wardrobe change or something else was mm-hmm. was going on. But, you know, it is a it's a lot of time to be. Just listening to, yeah, yeah, fourteen, almost fifteen thousand people, yeah, yelling for Prince to come back, yeah, yeah. When he does come back, though, it's forever in my life mm-hmm. with these this acoustic guitar and really like solid drums. They take their time with the song. There's is a long jam. They're not rushing. Nope. Nope. I mean, I think you basically have the Lindrum machine or a loop that's playing. And then basically the only instrument is Prince playing acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. And the, it's almost like when doves cry, the Lindrum and forever in my life kind of serves as the bass also with that. You know, there's like a bass part of the drum. So there's not a bass guitar part at all right and yeah lots of acoustic guitar noodling which i'm always down for yep super cool they do a pretty good job of replicating the off background vocals excellent i thought they did great and it was really I was like, ooh, that bit, that took some practice. Yeah, the in the round, but the background vocals come first. Again, uh-huh. because of the, a mistake that Susan Rogers made uh-huh. when playing it back in the studio. And Prince liked it and decided to, to keep it. Mm-hmm. I also thought when Prince starts with the opening lyrics, he sings them, you know, you talked about different inflection. Mm-hmm. This is like a completely different, more bluesy take than mm-hmm. what we heard in the concert film. There comes a time never man life. He gets tired of fooling around. Juggling. 
that's such a nice contrast to what I was used to hearing from listening to the concert film for so long. And it makes this track like a really special one to me because I've watched and heard the concert film hundreds of times and obviously know that Prince likes to like to mix things up a bit from show to show. And who knows if he even told anyone that he was going to sing it a little differently or he just went up and did it and all the background singers have to do is sing at the right time, which uh-huh. is well rehearsed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very, very cool. I thought musically it starts to go in a little different direction, too, at about four minutes and five seconds when Prince starts playing his his uh, acoustic guitar like a rhythm guitar. Okay. Hearing him play an acoustic really highlights his guitar skills to me even more because it's a much more warm and intimate sound when it's not distorted. And you can hear the precision and also freedom that he's playing this instrument with. Yeah. He's like, can be... He can do whatever. He can ad-lib in his preciseness, which yeah. is why yeah. he's the best guitar player ever lived. It's just really fun to listen to, to me. And yeah. the fact that it's so different in many ways than what we got in the concert film makes me extra glad that this was uh, included in the set. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Boyer oh, yeah. was amazing. Oh, yeah. I love that he, she gets credit, too. Yeah. He introduces her, um, you know, when he says, break it way down low, Bonnie says something now, and she gets her full-on soulful solo at 5 minutes and 27 yeah. seconds. Break it way down low, Bonnie says something And then the two of them singing together, too, from Prince and Bonnie, from 6.25 to 6 minutes and 40 seconds, they go back and forth with some breathy vocalizations that are a Mm -hmm. lot of fun, too. Yeah. There was a little, like, just after eight minutes, the... Acoustic guitar is a little extra loud in the mix. No. Okay. Pulled me out of it just a little bit. I would have liked to have seen that turned down just a little. Hmm. And then, but then you can almost hear like somebody banging drumsticks together. Okay. Uh, Like at eight minutes and 55 seconds, there's this little like, it's. Like a percussion, but it sounds like just somebody tapping the drumsticks. Could be. Very subtle, but interesting. At that same moment, eight minutes and 55 seconds, you remember the churchy light-up organ at the beginning of Hot Thing in the Mm -hmm. concert film that we didn't get on disc one? Of the show when they performed Hot Thing, there were like bongos instead. Yeah. You know, if you if you were missing that, you get it all made up for here mm-hmm. with an organ solo that's very similar to Hot Thing from the concert film. There's an organ solo in the middle of Forever in My Life mm-hmm. here, which I think it was a fun oh, it was a fun surprise for me to oh, hear. Oh, I didn't really care for it. Really? I know it's it sounds like soap opera organ to me. I know it's supposed to invoke like gospel. Yep. But for me, it just makes me think of when I was a kid, my mom watching soap operas. Okay. I just thought, oh, it's fun to see Prince move from an instrument to instrument during a show and throw some things in there to try them out. Um, I liked it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I mean, I didn't hate it but i it wasn't my favorite part of this song okay yeah people in holland know how to rock yeah pretty rock. cool yeah from straight from holly rock mm-hmm. which we covered as part of originals and was a sheila e track people in holland know how to rock. and he's got some great falsetto vocalization after that too mm-hmm. super high notes that he hits just kind of humming along Oh, 
then uh, just the drums again. Just the drums. Or I love when he calls out for just the drums. He's the only one playing instruments, so <laughs> it's kind of a solo show, really. Yeah. I wonder what he was talking about at 11 minutes and 28 seconds, too, when he says, fade it on down. Hmm. Fade it on down. I don't know what he's asking. I The first time I heard this, I thought, oh, well, the forever in my life Lindrum beat is going to fade out here when he says, fade it on down. But nothing fades out. I don't know what he's talking about. Huh. And then we have the fun uh, audience participation where he's getting the girls to sing forever in my life one way and the boys to mm. sing it a different way. Yes. It was very fun. It's a lot of fun. Sing along. And then the fact that it kind of ends with the audience chanting that uh-huh. also is a lot of fun. Boys! That's a great way to spend 13 minutes of your day, I think, listening to this song. Absolutely agree. And then we get one more hit from Parade, Kiss. Yep. Really fast, really fun. Yeah, he calls it out. Yeah. There's no doubt what the song is. Yes. And where is the credit here for including I Need a Man? Because it's worked into this performance throughout the entire thing. The horn part from 11 seconds to 17 seconds is straight from I Need a Man. And it had been used in Controversy and Mutiny live during the parade tour. And it's worked in here in Kiss. And I remember hearing I Need a Man on the outtakes discs uh-huh. and not immediately being able to place where that horn part was from and then realize, oh, it's controversy. No, it's mutiny. No, it's kiss. And then going back and listening to all these live versions of these songs and realize, oh, he he used it in all of them. Yeah. But this one in particular, it's all over the place. Yep. Super cool. I thought the vocals were a little buried. Just oh. a little bit. I wish they'd have been a little bit louder Okay. in the mix. Gotcha. That said, you can hear his little kisses. Yep. Everybody! So I'm like, well, how can, that, how can the kisses be loud enough, but I want the vocals oh, louder? He might have been kissing closer to the microphone well, than he was true. singing. Yeah. Could be. Two minutes and seven seconds when he says, I think I want to dance. And then we get the horn parts. That are from the 12 inch version of Kiss Extended. I think I want to dance. Which is a lot of fun. I expected to hear Prince and Jill Jones singing Woman Overboard. Ten toes going <laughs> up, ten toes going down. That's all part of the extended version of Kiss. And of course, there's no Jill Jones here to play around with that way no bye bye you faker oh that's i thought it was so cute the rhythm guitar (laughs) and prince yelling thank you bye bye Uh uh-huh thank you bye bye very playful that was um i don't know the embodiment embodiment of prince at a live concert yeah just those two Goofy words, bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. And then the cross. It almost sounded like there was a little bit of a cut between Kiss and the cross to Yes. Me. And I, I was like, why Why did we have two minutes of silence at the end of 1999, but here we have a cut? I don't Either know. It sounded like don't. it. I don't know if, if it was really part of that or not. I'm not sure. Not sure if that's... How it was really performed or if there's an edit but it seems yeah. like it did sound like there was an edit between these two right so i was like what what did they edit here maybe they didn't maybe it just isn't a seamless track for whatever reason maybe there was a little i don't know no no maybe it had something to do with the original recording maybe, but but it's definitely not 
a perfect transition. No. Whether that's part of the show or part of the editing of the songs for this release, I'm not sure. I will say this is the one track on this disc that's most like what we already have in the live performance that we've seen and heard in the concert film. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also kind of obvious that this is Prince's effort to replace Purple Rain as the closer, you know, the pre-encore track. Right. And really, I think it's almost as good. Just it's, you know, obviously a more overtly religious song. Right. Um, but still performed with a lot of emotion and urgency. It's sweet and it's also rocking. So I think um, he's right to put it in this in this place before the the encore. Yeah, I mean, it feels track. like the end of the show. Yep, it yep. does. It does. Um, yeah, I mean, there's again an echo on his mm-hmm. vocals at the beginning that make it feel like a really huge stadium. Black day, stormy night. No love, no hope inside. To kind of give us more of that feel, we have some really parts where there's a really raw delivery. Yeah. And it really feels like the end of the show. Yes. Like, this is how we're going to leave it. Um, Well, and in fact, he says at the end, till we meet again, which is, you know, sort of a... Yeah. Religious thing, yep. but also, hey, this is the end of the show. Yeah. Till we meet again. Grab your bags. Uh huh. Not but- responsible for items left in the stadium. <laughs> I also thought there's a little, uh, I don't know, mistake at two minutes and thirty seven seconds. There's this stray organ note, like meep. Oh, I kind of thought it sounded a little bit like a harmonica. It was in the left channel. Yes. Yes. I don't know what it was, but it was just kind of... Yeah, like somebody hit something wrong. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> somebody got fined. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also liked, the, if you go back and listen to it, um, right at five minutes and nine seconds, there's this deep horn stab. righteous and religious guitar solo that happens but i didn't hear this on the concert film but listening to it with headphones i was like oh there's like something going on with horns there right before this guitar solo that's um very recognizable if you're familiar with the studio version and the sign of the times concert film version i thought um you know what you mentioned Thank you. Till we meet again. I love you, Holland. Goodbye. Uh huh. It made me think of Temptation at the end of Around the World in a Day when he said, I don't know when I'll return. Goodbye. Mm. And you got this kind of harpy echo going on. I have to go now. I don't know when I'll return. Goodbye. Just reminded me of Temptation. And Very then cool. only 44 seconds of audience noise here before yeah. uh, we get an encore after what seemed like the final song. Yeah. And he even calls it out. Encore! 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 It's going to be a beautiful night. Yeah, another super long jam. Yeah, I thought this... I mean, I hate comparing these shows, but it seems to me that It's Going to Be a Beautiful Night is kind of the new replacement end of concert jam for Baby I'm a Star from the Purple Rain Tour, which would go on for 20 minutes. Yeah. And this one goes on here for almost 14 minutes, and it's full of call-outs to the band that signal different parts to be played, and the band can stop and go on a dime, and there's a lot of improvisation going on on top of those cues, and they make it look so easy. Mm -hmm. And even the mistake near the end that we'll get to here in a second is fun and seems almost planned, but isn't, you know? Yeah. I really thought how fun it was and how interesting it was that he had such absolute control over this band. Kick some ass. Kick some ass. On the one. Yep. Hit me in the back. Hit me in the back. 
Kick it again. Kick it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you I could get... tell these are the cues. Oh, yeah. These yeah. are the things that they've been rehearsing for a while. There's the scream at 23 seconds, too, that was also in the concert film. <sighs> I can't do it. <laughs> but you'll get a sample of it here that makes me sound like an idiot even more than I already do. And then the same kind of scream he uh, utters at a minute and 20 second when when they sing Ring Around the Rosy and we get the scream instead of Pocket Full of Chance. The background singers sing Pocket Full of Chance and Pr- Prince just screams, screams instead. Yeah. I also like that he replaced the Detroit crawl at yeah. one minute and 51 seconds with... The Holland Crawl. Naturally. I know you like a good call out. To I do. Kind of identify and ground yourself to where they are. Yeah, you know he's paying attention to where he is, and, yep. which is super fun, yeah. super cool. I think so too. It makes, yeah. uh, I don't know, it makes a big difference. I think if you're there attending to be like, I remember seeing him in San Antonio and uh-huh. when he would call out, San Antonio. He said our town's name. (laughs) (laughs) Love the part at two minutes and 21 seconds when he says, clap your hands, somebody. And there's a rhythm guitar while presumably Prince takes over the drum, shows Sheila E can Uh take the mic and do her trans-Mississippi rap. Yep, The Table and the Chair by right. Edward Lear. Mm-hmm. Nonsense poem. Yes. Which it's, so it doesn't really matter what she's saying. She's saying it extraordinarily fast. Yeah. And sometimes it's on the mic. Sometimes she's not really looking at the microphone when she's singing. And you can kind of hear it, but not really. But it doesn't really matter because these words aren't like crucial for you True. to understand there's nothing to really it's understand. just it's for you to marvel at how quickly she can say the words and that it's fun uh, yeah not only is she sometimes seems like she's off the mic but then there's this buzzing synth part in the right corner and the i mean the right channel that's mm-hmm. not in the concert film and that's at like two minutes and 31 seconds two minutes and 33 seconds it just kind of repeats under her And her rap sort of falls off at two minutes and 44 seconds with some feedback, it sounds like. And then she comes back with more of a lead vocal sound that's panned to the right for a few seconds. It sounds like there may have been like a recording issue there Mm -hmm. or a mixing issue there that maybe they didn't notice or couldn't fix. I don't know. It just sounded a little... Uh, sloppy. Oh, well, seeing that just made me feel like this is it's the end of the show. They're kind of having a little more fun. It's a little more loose with as much control as he had over the band. He also gave them some freedom to kind of do different things. So if they were interacting with the audience and therefore these other things happened, meh, uh, it's the encore. I don't know. I think somebody got fined there too. Oh, okay. That's just me. There's some swirling scratching sound effects that sounds like it's from housequake and some occasional dog barks again from la 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 he 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 mm-hmm. around three minutes and 50 seconds yes and you can really hear that swirling scratching sound effect at four minutes and 29 seconds before cat leads uh, the crowd by saying it's going to be a beautiful night, y'all say it. Mm-hmm. Everybody feeling all right, y'all say It's kind of fun to hear that part. I love that there's a little piano solo at 4 minutes and 47 seconds and Prince calls for Eric Leeds. Eric, blow on top of that. seems very improvisational to me um, with some sax solo going on there too. Yeah. And then, you know, another fake end. Yeah. 
Thank you. Good night. Yeah. But he's so matter of fact about it. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. I'm like fake, yeah. fake, fake. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's You're not done. Through, like it's one word. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. It's seven minutes and 19 seconds. Mm-hmm. Then he really wants people to stomp their feet and clap their hands on the two and four. <laughs> yeah. He gave him some middle school pressure. He did. Do it. Yeah. Exactly. Do it. <laughs> I love the James Brown mix in too at eight minutes and 22 seconds when he says, Cold sweat on the horns right here. Uh huh. Cold sweat on the horns right here. And Prince gets the sax part he wants there, but is not pleased that the drums take off. He called for kick drum and then cold <laughs> sweat on the horns uh-huh. and then yells. <laughs> Kick drum, I didn't call S H I T. Uh huh. <laughs> I bet you Sheila got fined for that oh, too. I bet she did. That's a fun, I don't want to say mistake, but again, uh-huh. uh, the band doing, going in a direction that he didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. And they get reined in real quick. Yeah. So, can we talk about Cold Sweat? Because I remember as a kid watching the uh, concert film, and he calls that part. Also, cold sweat on the horns. Uh-huh. And I couldn't understand what he was saying. I'm like, dude, what on the horns? What uh-huh. is, what? And I didn't know cold sweat when I was 13 either. So you should know Cold Sweat is a title track from the 1967 album by what was then James Brown and the Famous Flames. And Maceo Parker played on the tra- title track too. Uh-huh. And in fact, on the original album, the title track Cold Sweat is broken out into two parts, which I didn't realize. There's a part one that's two and a half minutes and a part two that's four minutes and 45 seconds, and they're tracked back to back. And part two starts with James Brown calling out Macy O. Parker, who would, of course, later go on to work with Prince also. On Wikipedia, there's an interview with the composer of Cold Sweat, uh, who was named Pee Wee Williams, and he recounted how they recorded the studio track that the band set up in a semicircle in the studio with one microphone and it was recorded in one take live in the studio and it was like a performance and they did no overdubbing at all. Wow. On cold sweat. So wow. you can kind of see where Prince may have a little bit of admiration. Yes. And influence mm-hmm. by James Brown, of course. Very cool. I love the hit me in the back parts that you mentioned yes. earlier for the fast horn parts with lots of kinks that are thrown in by Prince stopping it on the one hit me again. Sometimes letting the full horn line complete and sometimes starting it over midstream. Again, just highlighting the tightness of the band. Mm-hmm. And then, even at what's normally the end of the song, when he calls out confusion, uh-huh. and it's like at 11 minutes and 29 seconds here, it's followed by kick some ass and a back to that complex and fast horn line that repeats over and over again. like Pavlov's dog's Prince version. Yeah. He makes one little cue and they know what to do. Yeah. Or there's trouble and no treats. (laughs) And I have to point out the very last scream from Prince at 12 minutes and 47 seconds. I think it's great to have this in unedited form as a document of this tour, this whole disc. Well, two discs actually, which we didn't have before. And Sign of the Times is one of those tours where there's not, there's some rehearsals that are soundboard and circulation, but not many shows at all, if any, that are soundboard recordings. There's a lot of audience recordings and circulation. So these two discs were a super cool treat. Yeah. To me to say, I finally have a Sign of the Times concert and soundboard quality from start to finish. Yeah. With no overdubs or screwing around with. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yep, it is. Yep. All right. And that's it. So we've got some selections to make. We choose three things every episode. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. We choose a C, the low point, the S-E-A. Not that it's bad. It could be bad, but it's just the thing that spoke to the host making the selection the least. And the mountain, our favorite bit. 
Yep. So my rules, I go first. Time capsule. Uh, Purple Rain. Oh, really right. just has to be it. I mean, it was... There was not going to be any concert at this time that wasn't going to have a little bit of that in it, just because he knows that's what... There's some people who are just casual fans yep. who have heard him on the radio, and they're coming to see Purple Rain, so he's going to play it. All right. For me, I went with the opening medley of songs on this disc, from Let's Go Crazy to When Doves Cry to Purple Rain and 1999, since it served as a template for the Love Sexy Tour, too. Mm-hmm. So you've got the 1987, 1988 Purple Rain and 19 album hits medley with new horn arrangements on everything, maybe with the exception of Purple Rain. But uh, if you listen to a Prince show between 87 and early 89, really, those four songs in a medley performed that way um, were a staple. Okay. The C, the low point... I really just didn't like the organs in Forever in My Life. I love the whole song and the organs. I are just, if I have to choose one thing that I don't like on this whole album, it was that little bit. Man, you could put Prince on stage with a Lindrum and give him a ukulele, a harmonica. <laughs> I don't know. I could listen to it. Yeah. Uh, it was unexpected. Um, but I love that it was something that had been used in the concert film that was kind of a surprise appearance mm-hmm. here. But it's okay if it reminds you of, you know, Days of Our Lives and <laughs> All My Children and exactly Stefano. It. I'm pretty sure it was I Days get of it. Our Lives. Really? Yeah. Oh, Stefano. Still, is he still after hope? I oh, think so. no, probably. Uh, for me, the C was The Cross, oh. but only because it's the least unique performance on this disc compared to what we had in the concert film. Okay. So it felt like I'd heard it before and there were no real surprises. So still a great performance and, um, like I said, a kind of replacing Purple Rain, almost usurping it as the, the closer before an encore but uh, only because I, I got excited about all the things on this, these two discs that were um, surprises to me. And there weren't any in the cross. So okay. that's why I put it in the sea. That's acceptable. And then the mountain, me in the back half of the show is just so fun. It's so listenable. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I didn't like the organs in Forever in My Life. It doesn't matter. That's still my favorite track. Nice. Yeah. I, it's just the, the off background vocals, the fun things that he did. The mm-hmm. You know, it's not as aching and emotional as the even the album version, but there's so much that's fun and interesting, and that acoustic guitar is beyond compare. It's so. super awesome. Yeah. That's well, we mountain. agree on this. Oh, excellent. Um, even with the omission of um, the lyrics from It, which are it's one of the highlights of the concert film in Forever in My Life, when he mixes that in and screams the lyrics, uh-huh. it's so awesome. But um, to me, I picked it for the mountain for the opposite reason of my C, because it had so many unique twists and turns and acoustic guitar parts and the organ part. That made it the most exciting part of the disc for me, and and I'll definitely revisit it. Had it not been for this song, It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night would be next, because anytime I can hear Prince screaming out cues and the band going Uh, in different directions, and it almost seems like he's getting exhausted and, you know, trying to figure out what to do next, and, like, he's leading the band, but he's almost trying to keep up, too. Right. Um, or keep them on their toes, but um, forever in my life is just uh, it's too much. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. All right, next time. Next time is disc nine. It's the final or finale, rather, of the box set, mm-hmm. the New Year's Eve nineteen eighty seven show with guest star Miles Davis. You and I have not watched or listened no. to disc nine yet at all. I don't know that it has come out of the box set yet, so it'll be new to us. Here we are, half a year after the box set's release. Uh huh. And so, we still get something new. Yeah, it's kind brand of been new. saving it for ourselves. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, here we are in March of 2021, and it's kind of our first new release 
of the year. Yep. In our household anyway. So yes. I'm excited to uh, watch and listen to it. Me too. Thank you so much for listening. Do rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts because that helps us get found. And we really do want to be found. Tell a friend because it's way more fun when you listen with a friend. You can find links to listen to all of these songs and lyrics and all of that stuff on our social media. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at tmats t-m-a-t-s podcast or you can send us an email tmatspodcast at gmail.com again thanks so much for spending some time with us until next time happy purple listening see you next time <laughs>